behind-the-scenes information on breaking news and more bold, inspired solutions for America. Now it's time for Jamie Dupree, the most connected man in D.C. on The Sean Hannity Show. All right, Jamie Dupree, no news out of Washington today, so Jamie just wanted to say hello because there's nothing happening today. And Jamie, anyway, nice to talk to you. Thank you. Yeah, great to be here, Sean. Yes. Uh, One of those quiet days. In fact, right now, right off the floor of the House in H208 is the room number. It's a little ante room of the Ways and Means Committee, a very historic room just off the floor from the Democratic cloakroom. Uh, there, Paul Ryan, who happens to be the chairman of the Ways and Means Committee, will be getting together right now with members of the House Freedom Caucus. We'll be sitting down to hear from him about his possible bid for Speaker of the House. In interviews today in the hallways, Sean, with a number of Freedom Caucus members, it sort of depends, I don't know, uh, it depends which part of the hallway you're in. Sometimes you talk to people from uh, that side of the of the Republican Party who seem open to the idea of Paul Ryan becoming Speaker, and then you walk a few feet down the hall and interview another member who's more no. conservative, and it's absolutely not. We're not doing anything of that. So, I don't know. I don't know how to rate this right now. It's still up in the air. I do think that Ryan has probably 200 solid votes already. That's sort of just where we are. And then it's an issue of can he bring members from the Freedom Caucus on board? They don't like some of his demands, especially th- the motion of vacate the chair. Did yeah, not and go look, over that's, well. that's a pretty historic thing. But you know what? I think also there's a lot of uh, GOP establishment people who like the fact that uh, that Paul Ryan came in and sort of stuffed that right in the face of the uh, more conservative wing of the party to remove remind them that they do have a lot more votes. And so there's a little, you know, there's a little um, uh, muscle flexing going on here by both sides. I've talked to many, many, many members on both sides of this in the last 24 hours, and especially since the meeting last night. I worked the phones pretty late. And there was real hostility towards the issue of vacating the chair, that parliamentary maneuver. On some of the other issues, you know, I don't think many people cared that he wasn't going to be traveling around the country to 250 cities like like Boehner did. I think they understand that that that's not really a possibility for him. Uh, He also, from what I understand, he he wants to lay out a new agenda and kind of break with whatever the promises in the past would be. But he's starting out with a 60 percent of the base for Republicans feeling betrayed by these guys. I don't think I would call it 60%. And remember, it's not the base in the Congress. Uh, you know, the, well, no, the Freedom not, Caucus is I wasn't is talking about members. the base in the Congress. I'm saying 60% of Republicans feel betrayed. That poll. Nah, I don't know that I'd go that high. But regardless. Uh, that, that was the Washington Post. What are you, why are you disputing that? Um, I, that's not the way I read that figure. Maybe I'm wrong, but I read it as something else. Regardless, the, the feeling in the halls right now amongst Republicans is, again, that they're sort of in the same spot where they were with Kevin McCarthy, where they were with John Boehner, that they've got 200 for Paul Ryan, but it's can they bring the others along? And, you know, the the thing we've talked about, Dan Webster is still who a lot of the Freedom Caucus guys are backing. Dan Webster is not seen by very many people sort of on the other side as a viable person running for speaker. And so the question is, if it's not going to be Paul Ryan, then who? And I don't think anybody's got any real answer after that. Let, so me, tell you what mean, I, let me tell you what I heard, because last night Ryan wanted the endorsements of the three major caucuses in the House Republican Conference, the, the Tuesday group, the moderates, yep. the Republican Study Committee, which yep. is probably what the largest block of conservatives in the House, yep. and the Freedom Caucus. One Freedom Caucus member said there's no way Ryan would get the endorsement from the Freedom Caucus because of the 80% rule, but he might be able to get enough votes uh, in the end. Yeah, I've spoken to a number of Freedom Caucus guys today, and some of them, like I said, are are very, you know, you can tell they don't want to vote for Paul Ryan, but they don't really have anything to offer other than Webster. And as I said, Webster, I don't, I don't think really has a chance. 
But then are there a number of other Freedom Caucus members who, when you dig deeply down into it, they say stuff like, well, you know, what's the name of our group? And you look at them and you say, uh, Freedom Caucus, and they say, yeah, freedom. So it's the freedom to do what you want to do. So you're not going to follow them. You get this sort of wry smile like, I'll vote for who I want to in the end. The and bit, so I've the, heard a the, number of them. And so, But the issue then is... That's the same thing that bedeviled uh, the, uh, the majority leader, Kevin McCarthy. Do you want to go through a fight to peel off those people one by one and not get the endorsement of the group like you wanted to? And so, therefore, you already start with where you're in a difficult spot, uh, seemingly running against these guys. That I don't know if Paul Ryan wants to do that or if he's really willing to do that. They could certainly try that and have a vote next Wednesday that he could win easily within the GOP and then roll the dice on the floor yeah. the next day. Mick Mulvaney, member of the Freedom Caucus, said, We're at risk of overplaying our hand, and Ryan's at risk of overplaying his hand with his demands, especially, although there was some talk today about some compromise on the idea of, of changing the vacate the chair provision and just making it a little bit harder, and it can't just be one person. Here's what I know Freedom Caucus members want. Does he really want the job? Do you want this job? Why well, that's what you hear the refrain from them in the hallway is that uh, they don't think that Paul Ryan really wants it, that they, they sort of characterize him as a as a stool pigeon, in a sense, for uh, John Boehner, for the GOP leadership and for business as usual. Uh, I, I think, though, that, you know, what's interesting is that it's just four short years ago that the Democrats put together ads that uh, that uh, caricatured Paul Ryan as an insane budget cutter who would push old ladies in wheelchairs off of cliffs and now, in order now to he's cut getting Medicare endorsed and Social Security yeah, by Harry Reid. And now he's being, you know, uh, now he's being laid out as this complete squish of the Republican Party who's not for anything and who's not a real conservative. So I, I think that has, you know, look, everybody is trying their best to spin this as hard as they can. I still think we're a lot like we've been in recent weeks where the establishment holds the upper hand. But can they get those extra votes to get to 218 on the floor? That's a big unknown right now. You know now. what and one if, guy said to me yesterday? Did Ryan make his demand so severe that there was no way that the caucus would ever say yes? Yeah, well, I think there is some thought to that, that he decided that if he was going to do it, he wanted to tell them who was boss. Yeah, well, I think they're playing a little bit of a game of chicken now, and uh, whether they meet in the middle or not. Now, another source, a different source, I had to talk to a lot of people between yesterday and today. Uh, this one from the Freedom Caucus, that Ryan actually needs members of the group to vote against him, which sounds a little twisted, but Ryan becomes speaker. Some Freedom Caucus members vote against Ryan because that aligns with with his district, in other words, those members. And a speaker, Ryan, would need to bridge, in other words, be a bridge to those no's. He, otherwise, those members say, you know, they didn't vote their district. They support Ryan. They could get a primary and get blown away. And in a tricky way, Ryan needs Freedom Caucus members to vote against him, just not too many. That's an argument that I heard as well. That it's sort well, of like, look, I think there are going to be a number of members who will have to vote against Ryan because a vote for him would be untenable back home. The, the problem is, is who can you get to 218? Yeah. Uh, again, Dan Webster does not seem to be that answer right now. I don't think he would get broad support. And so where do you find someone else? And would anybody else of the other names who've been mentioned be in the exact same situation as Paul Ryan? If you get a John Boehner saying nice things about, you know, fill in the blank name, 
then everybody will stand up and say, well, if John Boehner likes him, then he must not be the right choice. Yeah. And uh, again, the, is, the Freedom is there Caucus simply else, doesn't... Anybody else's name, or are we just in full... Paul, Ryan, let's wait and see how this plays out mode. Yeah, no, that's where we are. I mean, even the people who've been rumored to be running for president, like some of the guys from Texas and others uh, from Georgia, are all just sort of on the sidelines saying, you know, let's wait and see what happens. I mean, it is theoretically possible that Ryan, by the end of the week, could stand up and say, you know what? I'm not getting their endorsement, so I'm out of here. I'm not doing this. I'm going to stay as the chairman of the Ways and Means Committee. And then we have an all-out fight for the next few days until the election within the Republican conference next Wednesday. I mean, that's theoretically possible. Guys like Mike Conaway of Texas and uh, Mike McCall and others, I mean, their names have been floated out there, and people have been talking about them. But everybody's pretty much frozen right now waiting to see what happens with this. When you talk to, you know, individual members uh, on the more conservative side, there are a number who just come out right away and say, I can think of Mo Brooks and and others who just said, I'm voting for Dan Webster. Mm -hmm. Now, could that change? Sure, it could. Webster uh, has been telling us that he's not backing off one bit. uh, But again, I don't get any sense that uh, that he's becoming a force in this at all. And think of the problems. I mean, this is just looking ahead, be it Paul Ryan or anybody else. You got a a debt ceiling issue that you're going to have to deal with. You have the remaining issues of executive amnesty and the immigration debate, although I understand Ryan in the meeting last night was very clear saying no comprehensive immigration reform, yep. and that was one of the few promises he made. And you got Planned Parenthood. Then you got conservatives still frustrated that Obamacare has been funded five years. Uh, you know, so there's a lot there's a lot of pitfalls and if he becomes speaker just before these big issues come forward, it's I don't know if he can win for losing. Again, I don't know that there's anybody that would satisfy uh, the Republican sort of uh, more conservative side of the party right now and would be able to forge something to get through the Congress in the next few weeks on those variety of issues and still be able to stay in power. And the other big story of the day, of course, is crazy Uncle Joe. Three-letter word, jobs, J-O-B-S. They'll put you all back in chains. By the way, did you know Obama was, was bright and smart and articulate? That's storybook, man. Did you know that he's uh, out? He's not running? You know, I think it was, uh, you know, I've been saying for weeks that I didn't think he was going to run. And while the word is that he didn't make up his mind till just yesterday, uh, it, it, it's obvious to me that Joe Biden believes that he could run and win. But he recognized that he wasn't going to. And I, I do think there were a lot of people in this town who were worried that the vice president would get in this race and that he really wouldn't make it would be an, an awful kind of outcome for him. I mean, when you look over the last week after that uh, good debate performance by Hillary Clinton, Biden's numbers went down. Her numbers went up. And now I would expect another big boost for her in the polls because uh, the, the, the polls have been showing uh, for a while that of those Biden people, most of them would go over to Hillary Clinton and not to Bernie Sanders. In fact, there's even uh, several polls in recent days from New Hampshire that show Clinton now ahead there. I'm not sure that uh, I'm ready to say that, but it's clear that she has picked up a good amount of momentum in the last couple of days. And this Biden decision, I think, only helps her. I think that most Democrats wanted him to get in to be a backup in case she just falls on her face. Well, Bernie Sanders sort of took over that space. You know what I mean? He became the alternative in a way way too long, don't you think? Well, yeah, A, he waited too long, but B, the the money that Sanders was able to show that he could raise. I mean, let's say Bernie Sanders was just chugging along sort of with $2 million or something like that. Then it would be a different deal. 
Uh, but I think uh, Biden probably realized a long time ago that it was going to be an uphill run. And, you know, sometimes uh, sometimes events just don't allow for you to do something in life. And unfortunately, the death of his son this summer really sort of got in the way and extinguished any of those opportunities. As he said today, the window of opportunity is now closed. You see these new polls that Republicans say Trump is most likely to get the nomination and think he's the best hope to retake the White House. Do you see that today? Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, we'll see where we go. we got another debate a week from tomorrow out in Colorado, and then we've got a debate, uh, I think, November the 10th in Milwaukee. Uh, December the 15th in Vegas. So you've got three debates coming up in less than two months now. And as we've seen, those debates have had a big impact on where the Republican race and heck where the Democratic race has gone as well. Yeah. Any other news out of Washington I'm missing today? It's been a pretty uh, busy no, day. No, no. I've spent, I've spent most of my day in the hallways and expect to spend the next few hours there. And uh, then tomorrow, obviously, the big thing will be the hearing with uh, on Benghazi with Hillary Clinton. So what time does that all start? I understand it, it goes... It starts at 10 a.m. Eastern. And one of my friends has just tweeted out, and I haven't confirmed this directly, but one of my friends has just tweeted that Trey Gowdy has lost his voice. Well, I think they actually... the Repo- <laughs> That's not good. I think that the Republicans have a good argument in light of the document dump yesterday of 1,300 pages of Ambassador Stevens' emails to say, you know what, well, we need more time. And I think they'd be well within their rights to do so, so they have time to absorb the emails that had not been turned over to this point. Well, we'll see. I, the one thing that strikes me right now is the lack of leaks about new items on Benghazi. Now, maybe they're holding all their cards and waiting to show it. But usually Probably what not. you would do is you would roll some stuff out to sort of get, you know, prime the fire, prime the pump, and uh, really haven't seen that in, in the last few weeks. All right, Jamie Dupree in Washington. Jamie, as always, thank you. Uh, tomorrow you, will be a fascinating day and a long day.